And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Sports are back. Save 40%. Don't miss exclusive, in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Subscribe now and save. The Blue Jackets have made it to the bubble in Toronto and the games are just around the corner, folks. Aaron Port's on here. This is going to be a memorable end to the 2019-20 season. Blue Jackets, Bruins on Thursday. Blue Jackets, Leafs beginning a best-of-five qualifying series. Wow. Do not miss this exclusive, in-depth coverage for this unprecedented sports season. Subscribe now and save. Sign up now and see for yourself the creativity, the reporting, and the storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. And if you go to theathletic.com slash nationwide you can receive 40% off an annual subscription. Sports are back, and you won't want to miss breaking stories on your favorite teams. So go to theathletic.com slash nationwide for 40% off an annual subscription. We hope to see you there. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Port's done with you on a Tuesday morning, and who else is here? She is back. Allison one bears zero. Allison Lucan <laughs> is here. Hello, it is great. Well, it, it's kind of great to be back. It's good to be back. Don't oversell that. <laughs> it's acceptable to be back. Well, it's nice to have you back. I can say that with authority. Well, thank you. I missed you. Yes, we made it through somehow uh, two podcasts. Uh, thanks to our guests for joining us. Allison, quickly tell the people what you did. What were you thinking? And tell them what you did. <laughs> well, I went with um, some girlfriends on a week-long backpacking hike uh, along the John Muir Trail and, and through the Ansel Adams Wilderness um, out west and uh, carried 35 pounds on my back, which was everything I 
could need or should need and all my food and everything. And uh, it was quite exquisite. Uh, saw some things that were pretty phenomenal. So a really, really good little life experience there in the midst of all this craziness. That's awesome. How much did you think about pucks and hockey while you were out there, if at all? Um, I thought about it from time to time, but we literally had no internet. So um, it was also a, a, a true disconnect whether I liked it or not. So yeah. um, I, I was thankful we had planned this, obviously, when we thought the NHL schedule would be as it has historically always been. Right. Uh, so I am thankful that uh, at least it coincided before the game started because that would have yeah. been a bummer. And my family used to take national park trips all the time. I hope we will again some, someday soon. Um, it's it in a sense it reminds you when the electricity goes off in your house, right? And for the next half hour, you're constantly flipping the switch on, and each time going, "Oh right, right," and then you try to get, "Oh right," like it's just such a part of your habit. I spend the first two days of the national park trips checking my phone while realizing, without realizing that, "Oh right, it doesn't work out here." <laughs> and then by the third day, it just goes in the glove compartment, and you're like, "This is man, this is how it used to be, and how it should be again someday." We, we were we were working, so there was there was not even a mental bandwidth to check the phone because there were some some pretty severe hikes, um, which is good. So uh, the well, phone was a camera, and that was it. <laughs> well, welcome back. While you were away, or while you just had gotten back, the Blue Jackets made it into the bubble. They did. And I have to say, it, I had my doubts. I, I more skepticisms, I think, than doubts. Um, but big. Big kudos to the players and the staff and all for pulling it off. They had two positive tests way back in the middle of July between the 13th and the 17th. They've taken thousands and thousands of tests since then. No positives. And everybody made it into the bubble. Uh, they got into the bubble Sunday night. Most teams had their first practices today. I think all teams did, including the Blue Jackets. They took the ice at 2.30. Uh, in Toronto, they're, they're near the, the uh, Royal York hotel um yeah it so they're in the bubble this this sort of it's almost like they went to the moon is what it felt like here <laughs> last week when people were like whoa are you excited to get to the bubble what's it going to be like in the bubble um allison your your thoughts how impressed are you if i shouldn't put that leading word out there i guess your thoughts on the league getting into the bubble and now it feels like if they could pull off phase three phase four maybe shouldn't be more difficult is that how you see it or am i looking at it in a different way yeah i mean it it is impressive i think that um you know very we we are seeing experiences across sports of both good and bad you know the women's professional soccer league made it all the way through to a championship uh safely um and then you know we've had some some other great results with the wnba and some other leagues are are trying and some other leagues are currently failing (laughs) but um I certainly was impressed, particularly because while guys were asked to self-quarantine or maybe self-isolate, is a better way to say it, um, they were still living, quote-unquote, at home. And it feels like this next phase in some ways should be easier, but there's also now a forced influx of people who have to help take care of the bubble. And so I'll be, I'll be curious to see how they can manage that when we talk about people who are maintaining the hotel, people who are cooking the food, delivering the food, maintaining the arenas, et cetera, so forth. So it, it's just a different kind of risk, I think, but also it'll be interesting to see if they can mitigate that as well. So we are not in the bubble. Correct. I've been asked that many, many times. Are you going to go, are you going to be in the bubble? Uh, no, is the answer. Not allowed in the bubble. I would be there if allowed. 
I feel sort of though, I feel, I don't know, it's a very weird feeling because in one sense, I'm glad I'm not there taking the risk and nobody wants to hole up in a hotel for two months potentially. But you also feel like there's a job there uh, that you're supposed to be doing. So we'll continue to, to do our level best uh, back here and to make this as real as possible, maybe even better than, than what you're used to. Um, yeah, so they're in the bubble. They skated today. Um, we got to go through some lines here, Allison. They, these strike me as, as rather odd lines, and I'm just going to go one by one here. Tell me what you like and what you don't like, and I'll chirp in too. Okay. Um, the, yeah, the, the first line – Felino, Dubois, Bjorkstrand. I mean, that's a line. <laughs> it is a line. <laughs> <laughs> um, with all respect, I, I liked, and I know that this has been dictated by certain players' efforts on the ice to date, but I, I'm surprised they didn't go for some more speed on that left side, um, yeah. particularly because Bjorkstrand is, is really the scoring engine right now, arguably, and, and you've got Dubois there who's just the moose that he can be. Um, but maybe they like the, the experience and, and the solid presence of, of Felino there right now. Cause there has been some wavering, but yeah, that's, that's a, it's an interesting choice to me on the left side. Yeah. And they started with Texier there. Yes. And I, I mean, I, I just don't think the way that, I just don't think they liked the way that that looked. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they started with a few guys up higher. We'll get to them in a minute and they kind of dropped them down. Um, so yeah, and I don't, what's interesting to me is that the space that used to be occupied to Dubois right, uh, by Cam Atkinson, mm. they now seem to prefer Bjorkstrand there. Mm -hmm. And certainly a lot has changed about the, you know, the person playing to the left of Dubois used to be Panarin and he is no longer here. That changes the whole, the whole dynamic of that line. Yeah. And so Bjorkstrand is now next to Dubois. It, it's very possible, perhaps likely Atkinson will be again. But for right now, it's just something about that line that I don't like. There's something about really this collection of lines. It feels like a baseball team with, with four right fielders to me. Like there's just, there's no perfect way to do it, but we'll, we'll get to the others now. Uh, left to right, Nyquist, Jenner, Atkinson. Yep. Another line. <laughs> Another line. You're trying to be nice about this. <laughs> I mean, if, again, if we go with the linchpin of that line, in theory, yeah. would be Cam Atkinson and his scoring abilities. And they need that. Obviously, you wrote on this earlier um, to get going, to be a contender in this postseason, whatever this is called now. I like Nyquist on the left because I think he's extremely creative. I think that he can be an enabler offensively to Atkinson. So I don't mind that. But the, the curious, if you go with that combination, the curious choice for me is Jenner in the middle. Yeah, but you're right. And then, of course, the, the, the follow-up question to that is, what's their choice? Well, they, they started with Wenberg there, no? Exactly. But, okay, I, I, in, in some ways, I don't mind that. I mean, you've got two creative passers. Yeah. And, but, you know, again, you, if Atkinson, as he says, likes to get lost – and maybe they feel there yeah. wasn't a presence on that line to allow him to get lost. Yeah. I think one of the problems that Cam is getting sort of readjusted to is there's nobody on this roster that allows him to get lost. Yeah. Dubois one, maybe when he's going. 
maybe. Yeah. Well, the one guy that I think that could be interesting up there on the left side, because I, I think Atkinson needs a playmaker. For sure. Like, right? I mean, and I don't mean that as a slight to him. No. He, he's the guy that finds the spaces and darts and dashes. He needs the puck delivered to him in scoring chances because he's not he's not going to dangle around seven guys. Right. Um, and that's and okay. He, he doesn't have to. Of course. Yeah, this is not a criticism of him. I just wonder if Texier could play up there or opposite um, Cam's well, – I don't know who's in the middle, but at, you know, 42, 10, 13 might be too light of a line. Uh, although I don't know if that's even something teams think about anymore. Yeah. Um, the the uh, third line for now is uh, Wenberg in the middle with Texier and Bemstrom on, on uh, flanking him. Now that just sounds that this is a weird, this is a weird line to me. Another but, line. <laughs> yeah, it's another line. This is a weird one for me because Wenberg is such a good defensive player. Yes. No question. And, but those two wingers just, they, they just scream offensive zone starts. Yes. Like, I don't think you want those guys starting in your own zone if you can help it. Yes. And so, you know, you've got a, you got a guy in the middle who may let them play. Um, and that's fine. May help cover for some of their um, inefficiencies at this point. It's just that line is now the third line we've talked about that I, it doesn't feel like it, it just doesn't feel like a fit to me. Yeah. And if you, I mean, if we go back to Atkinson needs someone to help him get lost. I mean, Bemstrom looked a lot better to me in camp. I think the time away served him well, but these are two guys that need, I, I mean, Texier can stir up some shit for sure, but sure. that's just, that's just a, that's that, that line to me. Again, this is where I might potentially switch Jenner and Wenberg um, because that, that third line is quite curious. Yeah. And I like Texier because I think, I think of Bemstrom as being kind of similar to Cam. Mm. In terms of needing help. Well, no, in wow. terms of, no, no, no. In terms of needing a playmaker. In terms of needing a playmaker. Like he's got the shot. He finds spaces. He finds soft spots, but not, not the dangle monster himself where Texier is. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. So maybe Texier across from, but what this heightens and we'll get to the fourth line here in a second is the, there's no other way to say it. The staggering lack of skill down the middle. Yep. And the skill they have, I, I wonder if Texier doesn't end up in the middle or if Foodie end up in the middle at some point during this series. Just as mm. a look. And, mm. and things would have to go south, of course, I think, before they would do that. Um, but you just you look down. Wenberg should be more skilled. There is more skill in there, but he hasn't shown it. Um, I love Dubois as a player, but but playmaking is not his forte. Right. And you certainly don't get that from Nash and Jenner. So the wingers have to sort of skill up the line is the way that they're put together. And it's just, yeah. Uh, the, the fourth line is also a, a line. Uh, okay. um, Nash in the middle, Eric Robinson on the left, Liam Foody on the right. Two burners. Uh, yeah. And, and Riley Nash, who's been solid but not spectacular here with the Blue Jackets, but certainly a reliable player. Your look at that fourth line, Allison. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that, that's, you know, again, this is and, – and I'm sounding far more critical than I should. I'm obviously not an NHL coach. I don't know. But 
it just, to your point earlier about Wenberg, Nash is, Nash is so good at his role, which is a defensive. I mean, his teammates refer to Nash as the best defensive forward on the team. Yeah. Um, And he's excellent at it. He's very, very, very good at it. But, but why then are you putting the two fastest guys arguably on the team right. on either side of that guy? And, yeah. f- and Foodie, may- I mean, Foodie, maybe it's about, you know, easing him in. Okay, fine, I'll accept that. But Robinson's been around almost all season. So, yeah. right. you know, what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, those guys have a feeling that that fourth line is going to be all over the lineup. Oh, yeah at some point during Thursday's exhibition game with the Bruins. Uh, let's take a break. We'll talk about the exhibition game. We'll talk about uh, some other things. We'll talk about the Leafs and Blue Jackets matchup when we come back after this message. The final 22 teams have made their way to Orlando and are ready to get back on the court. While the ending to this year's basketball season will be different than years past, there will be no shortage of excitement. And there is no better way to get in on all of the action Then with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. To celebrate the return of basketball, DraftKings will have not one, but two $1 million top prizes through the first two days of the resumed season. So get in on all of the action now. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy basketball is easy to play. Just pick eight players, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for three-pointers, rebounds, assists, and more. There is no better way to put your basketball knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at $1 million. But if basketball isn't for you, don't worry. DraftKings is offering plenty of fantasy golf action for this week's tournament. With millions of dollars up for grabs this week, there is no better place to have skin in the game than with DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code RUN, R-U-N, to get a free shot at millions of dollars up for grabs this week with your first deposit. That's promo code RUN to get a free shot at millions of dollars with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Uh, Allison, here's how I've broken this series down in my long, lonely walks while my colleague is off walking a trail in California. Um, I feel as though because the, of the Blue Jackets offensive struggles 27th in the league this year in scoring i feel like they can they're the team in this series that could play well and not win games for sure and the flip side of that is that i feel like toronto because of their skill and they're not great defensively either but because of their skill they strike me as a team that could not play well and win do you see what I'm sure. saying? Sure. I do. I don't think the Blue Jackets cannot play well and win. And so I guess what I'm saying is I feel like their margin, and I'm certainly not counting them out. I'm certainly not predicting a Leafs win. I just feel like their margin for, for this is really, really slim. And, and I don't over-respect the Leafs either. They're not nearly as difficult as the Lightning would have were last year. Um, but your thoughts on, on my thoughts, if you could entertain. <laughs> um, I mean – and then this is, again, I'm in a, I'm in a mood. Uh, this is crappier than I mean it to be. But, I mean, the Maple Leafs are a team that lost to a Zamboni driver in net. Yeah. So, um, Good burn. <laughs> um, you know, and again, and I've said this a couple times now, I, 
first of all, yes, I completely agree. And I think that we saw this the first half of this season, that the Blue Jackets could play great hockey yeah. and not win. They had the worst, like the, one of the top worst shooting percentages since the last lockout in the entire league, not just within the organization. So there was also some luck going on there. I think what we forget, however, is the flip of this is when this team started breaking apart due to all the injuries, how many nights did we go back up to the press box going, how do they just pull off that win? Absolutely. Right. So um, I, I think that, I think we have to, I, I hear your, what you're saying, but I think maybe we need to be a bit more pragmatic about it because in this, in all of this put together, this is where I think the men, to quote Torch, the mental toughness mm-hmm. might be an edge because yeah. The Blue Jackets can keep chip, chip, chipping away and maybe not see results, but they have the fortitude and the strength and have gone through some shit to know they can still keep going. Whereas Toronto maybe isn't quite there yet because they're younger. Um, they haven't really done a ton yet. Now they're going to. That's a tremendously talented team. Um, but there's also a goaltending question there for me. So um, I, I think the underlying points you're making are valid, but I think that bigger picture – um, we need to be perhaps more open-minded to what we might see. Uh, I do. I, I will give you this, I, although I don't, I feel like we're arguing, but not arguing. Right. Totally. Um, if the blue jackets win game one, and I think this is even more so than with Tampa last year. Yeah. If the blue jackets win game one. It's on. Oh yeah. Because Toronto will this, melt down oh, the city. That they, is the city will lose their minds. Right. This is a team. You talk about fragility. Yes. Um, yes. So they haven't won a playoff series. I, I venture to say there are people listening to this podcast who are <laughs> alive when they last won a series. Yeah. 2004 is the last time Toronto won a series. That's not Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner's history, though. For sure. Totally. 100%. But they've lost in the first round in each of the last three years. And last year had a three games to two lead on Boston in the first round. Mm-hmm. and couldn't nail it down. Right. Um, and you, if you talk to level-headed Leafs, um, <laughs> level-headed Leafs fans, as if there are some. Um, wow. Level, I'm joking. They're fans. They're supposed to be fans. Level-headed Leafs reporters, and there are yes. plenty, um, and they, they concur. Like, if boy, if Columbus gets out of the gate, oh, my, the whole weight of Ontario will be on them. Oh, yeah. A million percent. Yeah. Now, how much this is a question that I scratched at with uh, Tortorella and, and players over the last couple of weeks, because I, I firmly believe this. I, I, I appear to believe it more than more than they do um, that winning a playoff series. I know it's not a big deal. I know it's not. It's not the goal. But it was a big deal here, winning it for the first time. Yeah. And those guys now act like they're too cool for school. When you could, you were there, you could feel the weight lift off of them. They did it. They finally yeah. did it. And they want to look out into the crowd and see the people hugging and taking pictures and unsure what to do with themselves and crying and all this stuff that they never thought they'd see it. That means a ton to them too. And they know that. I feel like there's certain things and, and for, like case in point, Allison, I'll say this next year, you take that hike. You're gonna, it's going to be easier. For sure. You're for not sure. going to have any anxiety. I don't, I don't want to speak for you, but you're not going to have any feelings of what have I got myself into because now you know. 
Do you know right. what I'm saying? It's totally. just easier. Totally. And I feel like it's going to be that way for these guys too, where if they, I think you know, they're very young. We've dealt with that, but there's still a lot of guys on this team that who have tasted that sort of initial um, taste of success. They have pushed the ball up and over the hill and you deal with this sort of stuff a lot and, and have, how much does that benefit them and how much of a mental edge? I can't believe we're saying this about the blue jackets given how, where they've come from, but how much of a mental edge do they have over the Toronto Maple Leafs? Well, a hundred percent. And you know, that, that adds on to, to the point I was making earlier. And it's funny, I, I was looking back for some notes the other day and went back to some of our coverage of that Tampa Bay series. And, and we were standing there when the team came off the ice after the, after game four and Nick Foligno walks down that tunnel and he just says 20 fucking years. Right. And it, it's real. It, it's, I mean, you did feel the whole, it, it's the same thing that happened for so long when Detroit was the big enemy. It happened when this team couldn't beat Pittsburgh. When you finally do it, whether you admit it or not, it is a mental relief. And to your, as, just as you said, it's a boost of confidence of now it's not just believing I can, it's knowing I can. Yeah. And it, it may not be a tan. It's not like, I don't think they sit there. Maybe they do. I don't know, but it's not like they sit there every night and go, Hey guys, remember that time we beat Tampa Bay. Right. But it's, it's like, it's like the underlying layer, the foundation is stronger because that happened. Um, I, I very firmly believe that. Yes. Yeah. And there are some people who felt like they won the Stanley cup last spring. Yeah. By winning a playoff series. Like it was just like, Oh my God, they did it. Right. Yeah. Totally. And, and still to this day, as great as that run was getting into the second round, is that even a run? This city hasn't yet been picked up and carried on a long run into the playoffs round three, mm -hmm. a chance to go to the cup into the cup. Like this city will explode when that happens. Allison, we published a piece today about uh, Cam Atkinson. Yes. And how this is the guy who is really on track to rewrite the Blue Jackets record book and replace Rick Nash's name in a lot of those categories over the next few years. Um, he has had an incredible career, but this playoffs feels differently uh, to me, which is why I poked around on this. And John Tortorella concurred in his own way, and so did Cam Atkinson that there's an enormous amount of pressure on him, not just him, but on him as the most established goal scorer on this roster to have a big time playoffs. He was without a goal in the Boston series last year, had just one even strength point in the six games. He has not had a great regular season. He'd be the first to admit that missed a lot of time with a high ankle sprain, tried to play through it. Uh, was set to come back when the league went on pause, so he may have benefited uh, from this break as much as anybody. Uh, but this is a guy now who is faced with this situation where it's time for him, I think, to start delivering in the postseason or reputation starts to be formed at this point in his career. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, th I think it's an interesting dilemma. I mean, I think it's, it's funny how quietly he has – really just put a huge mark on this franchise. I mean, we can think back to when he was coming up and down from, from Springfield back then. Um, but I, you know, I, I'm curious about how this goes because I do think that part of 
his troubles this season. I felt the narrative to say it's because Panarin isn't on the left was a little bit lazy. I mean, sure, that's part of it. But I think that Cam almost got himself too riled up about it, you know, um, in that he wanted to prove that he was going to be the guy with, without Panarin. And I think he got, he got almost too much in his head. Mm. Um, and, and I was going to be curious to see how he would have been when he came back from that injury. I'm even more curious now because I, I get a different energy from him, at least right now, in, in term, compared to what was kind of what I was feeling at the beginning of the season along those lines. So if he's more relaxed and better able to manage this, I think he can find his game. Um, I'm not willing to say that reputations start yet because I do, as much as I say, I don't think it's the entire story. I think that this year is still a year of transition for him without Panarin. And so if he doesn't light up these playoffs, I think much like we say, Josh Anderson's injury kind of absolves this year for him. Um, if next year is a down year, then I think we have to start asking the hard questions. But I think this year he gets, he needs to be a big player, but if he isn't, I, I don't think this is like the beginning of the end for him. It'll be next year that cements that for me. Interesting. Yeah, I was, and I know this, but it's still sometimes you see and you go, wow, he's 31 years old. I know it's crazy. Like in today's NHL, that's wheelhouse, baby. Yep. That's, you're looking, you've got the best view you're going to have of your career, if you know what I mean about going up a hill and going down a hill. Yep. 31 yep. is where you've got the most beautiful view of the world. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah. So that's why I, I think, I think there's some things we'll, we'll see. Let's let these guys play. I'm talking to myself here. <laughs> um, I think there are going to be major changes to this team. Oh, sure. Of I course. I really do. And, and I think it's going to be trades. I think they're going to be extremely active because I, I look at this team and I, there's so much potential. Yeah, there really is. But I think, I think there's a couple of things that work here. One was going spinning off on a different podcast topic, but they've got really young guys and they've got guys that are in their, in their early thirties. Mm -hmm. And there's a, there's a gap there, which of course there always is, but the guys that are in their thirties are going to want to start winning here pretty damn soon. Yep. Um, or those windows are going to close. Um, Nick Foligno, uh, certainly his contract is up after next year. Where does it go from there? That will be interesting uh, to see. But I think this is going to be a real time of uh, transition for the Blue Jackets. Um, they, the Blue Jackets are scared to death of the Maple Leafs' speed. Uh, let's take <laughs> a, a short break, Allison, and we'll get to that on the other side of the of the uh, break to, to talk about what steps John Tortorella um, is going to try to do to, to mitigate that speed advantage. And maybe is Torts overthinking this a little too much. We'll talk about it on the other side. Hi everybody. Aaron Portson here with the front end nationwide podcast. Most of our listeners are hardcore hockey fans who live, play and work in and around Columbus. Well, what better way to reach those listeners and promote your business than through our show? Our listeners are loyal and engaged, just like you. To advertise on this show, just go to theathletic.com slash podcast ads. That's theathletic.com slash P-O-D-C-A-S-T-A-D-S. Okay, and we are back. I think, Allison, and I, I know this is a favorite topic of yours, 20, and maybe Tom's favorite topic and yours, your favorite topic as well. The 16, 17 playoffs against the Penguins. Oh yes. The blue jackets worked themselves into knots 
worried about how they were going to handle themselves against the Penguins. And it wasn't until they just relaxed and played. Was it game three? Scott Hartnell. It was Scott Hartnell who Scott Hartnell and who said delivered the message. Yeah. That it just they I mean they lost the series, but it became a lot more competitive. Yes. It felt like they saw themselves not as as talented as the Penguins, certainly, but but on common footing as another NHL franchise. It's not one that just had to hang on for dear life. Yes. And, and so, and I'm starting to hear, I, certainly Torts is not speaking of the Leafs in such glowing terms as he did Crosby and Malkin. The Leafs haven't accomplished anything, um, certainly not compared to what Pittsburgh has accomplished. But he has talked at length and has shaped his lineup in certain ways to get speed, speed, speed in the lineup. And I wonder, for a coach who's always talking about his players not being overloaded with information and not overthinking this, I wonder if it's if Torts himself sometimes overthinks this himself. Do they have to do something special for the Leafs, or are they? Is it enough for them to just be them? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's and it's harder too with these Zoom calls because. You know, I'm, I might go down a different, longer line of questioning with Torts about this, as opposed to when they're <laughs> we're on a very limited and controlled Zoom call. Um, but it, it, he's talked about the speed, but I think there are finer points to be asked. There is the speed. Are we talking about the speed to get behind the Leafs for the breakout pass? Are we talking about the speed on the forecheck and being above the puck? Where? What is the specific? And, and, Torts probably wouldn't even answer these questions, but there are many applications of speed um, that, that answer this question. And I don't know that we know the facets of, of the application. I do think part of it is, is being fast to the puck, which I think to your question is just being true to their identity. Um, I don't think they're going to totally change the way they play, like what happened against Pittsburgh. Um, but uh, it, it's, I don't know. I, I, feel, I, I get a different vibe from towards now that he, maybe he learned from that, that this isn't, this isn't the time to come in and say, okay, guys, whole new strategy to, to do this. He's just, he's, he's got to get these guys dialed back into how they need to play. And, and who's to say too, maybe speed was part of his mental preparation for these guys to stay in shape when they were away. You know, you've got it because he can't make them do a two mile run. So, you know, I, I think I think we we need to do a better job of really understanding why he wants the speed. I don't know that we've gotten that answer yet. Yeah, I was thinking he's talked me into believing that the Blue Jackets are a severe disadvantage here as well by being so open about openly concerned about their speed. The man loves an underdog. Yeah, but he won't go there either. Um, and I, I just wonder if. Like you don't want to program this team to just feel like they have to defend the Leafs, right? Right, for sure. Because if anything, you look at that Leafs defense and you think, boy, let Felino get down there and Dubois get down there and work on them. They're on the well, same line, Jenner too. But that's what I'm saying. Is 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 the is Liam Foodie's is are Eric Robinson and Liam Foodie supposed to use their speed to get behind that defense and receive a Ryan Murray? perfect saucer pass like he can like he can throw right is, is it uh, they want a really fast transition from a seth jones and a zach Wierenski? is it that they want 
fast movement to that loose puck in the offensive zone so that the forecheck regains possession and then the offense gets going. Like, I don't think this is supposed to be speed for speed. I think that seems silly to me. This is not going to be a track meet series and it shouldn't be in my opinion. Yeah. This is going to be about leaving the puck in smart places and, and not overextending, right? It's, it's Tampa part two for them in terms of how they, how they play and really how they defend is how they play. Cause it's, it's, it's not, it's reading the play and not overextending yourself to the point where your, your offensive extension ruins your defensive responsibilities. hundred percent. Yeah. I just, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I fear the mindset. If I'm a coach, I fear the mindset of having to always defend. Maybe this is why he's talking speed is he doesn't want them to get, you know, you know what? And let's be real too. He's saying all this to us. We don't know what the heck he's saying in the room to these guys. So the, the, the torts is true definition of speed is, is, is the linchpin in really understanding what we're opining about here. Yeah. Uh, Ryan McGinnis, Cole Sherwood, Vaney Vavalainen were three players cut by the Blue Jackets. They head into the bubble with 31 players. I want to say 18, 10, and 3. Yes, 18 forwards. No. 17, 10, and 3. 17, 11, and 3. I'll be, I'll be with you in just a moment. Um, are you surprised, Allison, that they kept that many defensemen and that few forwards? One of the forwards is Josh Anderson. They're not sure when he's going to be with them. Right. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know that I'm surprised. I mean, this team and defensemen, it's, <laughs> they, they could use 20 some days. Right. Um, and I, I, it is curious given that they're holding the spot for Anderson, but I don't, I don't know with all due respect, maybe Sherwood is an option that you consider, but I, I don't know that that was depth that necessarily you needed to, to better the situation at this point. Would it surprise you, Allison, if Josh Anderson played in the qualifying round? I'm not asking you for a medical diagnosis right. here. We're not certainly capable yes. or it would surprise you if he did. In this, in this series against the Leafs? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'd be surprised. Okay. Would it surprise you? I wouldn't be completely floored, no. I don't think he's ready at the start. Okay. But one of the things, one of the reasons you want to be there is he may be skating with them and we won't know it. Correct. Um, so we'll have little birdies on the ground there trying to, <laughs> trying to figure stuff out. Um, but yeah, I won't be floored. And, and I swear to you, I'm not floating that out there as some sort of, somebody told me something and this is, I just right. have a feeling about, about him being around them and being added. I, I don't, just don't know if they add him if they're truly not sure when he's going to be able to play. Well, and it's curious because I don't know if you saw, this is a slight tangent, but I don't know if you saw the um, news out of Vegas. Is, the, is it Marcheseau who's slightly injured but didn't travel with the team to the bubble? Yeah. So, again, I would think if, if a player has a likelihood to return, he's going to travel with the team yeah. because of the quarantine and et cetera so forth. Right, and as Jarmo explained it to me, if Josh Anderson didn't travel with him, didn't go to right. Columbus, do what he needed to do, join the team, and then go with him, he would have to 
it's something like a 10 day quarantine. Yeah. And then three days of testing before you can join anything. Right. And he couldn't come in until he's cleared, medically cleared. So it would be now you're cleared to play. Now you sit for 13, 14 days and then you can play. So, right. And that think of what a setback that would be to your skating to not be able to skate for two weeks. For sure. So they made the decision to get him in there with them. So that, that's why he's with them. I just, th- I think these teams are going to use the opportunity to get away with things or do things without people knowing it, that they wouldn't have been able to do in a normal setting. Oh, for sure. So, of course. Of course. And why shouldn't they do that? Eh? Right. Exactly. I mean, that's the situation they're in. Allison, they're in the bubble. Allison, they're in the bubble. We are back in town and we are back in business. Um, anything else we need to get to? Uh, I think that's it. There's some uh, exciting news. Ohio State has hired a new assistant coach, former Olympian, and I'm hoping to read up more on her and maybe have some more updates on that uh, next, next show. Name, please. See, I knew you were going to ask me, and I've got to find my happy email because so much has happened today. Does, does this tell us that James Wisniewski is out? Uh, it does not tell us that either way, but, I, but he was not a full-time employee. Correct. Uh, Zoe, Zoe Hickel is, is the new assistant coach for the Ohio State women. Nice. nice. Yeah. And one other note, uh, Cam Atkinson, the aforementioned Cam Atkinson, yes. is the King Clancy nominee from the Blue Jackets at Awards uh, Community Service. Cam, of course, has done a ton of work. Uh, he has his own foundation that benefits uh, the the uh, first responders and healthcare workers. This year, uh, had his his own 5K. I'm still rec- yep. I'm still recovering from that. Um, <laughs> to uh, to help pay for equipment at Riverside for COVID testing. Right, uh, timely as ever. Um, so, uh, good luck to him. That's an award that Nick Felino won a couple of years ago. Uh, that's one of those awards that, you know, all of the other awards celebrate hockey players. That's really one of the more important awards because it celebrates the the person. Yes. So just be nominated. Good for him. Is a Good hell of him. a hell of an honor. Yeah, and he's 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 really been on, and we've we've had him on the show to talk about it. But he's really been at the ground level with a lot of what he's done, and yeah. I think that's that's a huge part of this too. He's it's not just his name on something or or having a partner do something. He's really been involved, and I I give him credit for that and i have great respect for that yeah he's he's the guy who wants to spend his whole career here and and wants to make it a better place while he's here long after he's gone so yep 100 percent. full marks to that that's rare in today's uh today's pro sports world um thanks for listening we will be back with you again on friday and uh on friday allison we can talk about the blue jackets exhibition game or i know against boston so we'll have actual hockey to talk about insane insane. We will talk to you all then. Thanks for listening. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner StubHub has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.